In this podcast, we're going to explore the pursuit of greatness and question how we get there. Uh, there will be a lot of questions, probably a lot more questions than answers, but I think growth and understanding comes from questioning and learning. Uh, the title of today's podcast is, Who Do You Want in Your Foxhole? And we're going to talk a lot about uh, pursuing greatness and the individuals, how they get there, what's the best way to get there, and see if we can uh, you know, shed some light on this topic. The word meritocracy means a system, organization, or society in which people are chosen and moved into positions of success, power, and influence on the basis of their demonstrated abilities and merit. The areas that we look at a lot and think in terms of what a meritocracy might be is the military. Obviously, you earn your way up in rank and you earn your way uh, through your success. Uh, generally, in our schools and, and universities, we looked at, at your, the grading system as the people who work the hardest, and obviously intelligence is, is inquire, uh, required as well. But, you know, you work really hard to get good grades, and if, you're, if you do good work, uh, you're rewarded for that. But probably the, the biggest area that we look at is sports. I mean, generally, uh, clearly genetic talent is important, but when you work hard at something and you put time in and you're committed to it and you sacrifice and you do all the things that, you know, we talk about our athletes doing or we as coaches want to do, we believe that generally the people who make the greatest commitment um, have a chance to go far uh, along all lines. And even those who maybe aren't gifted physically, uh, a lot of people are going to outwork uh, maybe their pre predetermined goals because they just have they have a great work ethic. And so. We want to talk about that, and the reason I, I titled this podcast is Who Do You Want in Your Foxhole? Because uh, the, the, the foxhole act, uh, meaning comes from, it, it's a military term, and in general, you know, when, when soldiers were in battle and you had to dig in and, uh, you know, you had to climb in and you were fighting with somebody to virtually save your life, and we use this analogy a lot in, in our program based on the fact of who do we want next to us? Who do we want to have our back? I mean, if, if you get in a foxhole and somebody's shooting at you from all different angles or, uh, you know, it, it, there's difficulty regardless of what it is, you know, who do you want your back? Who, who do you want to be there that you trust uh, literally maybe with your life, but more importantly, you know, who's going to be your greatest teammate? And, you know, we, for years, for probably 30 years, we have an evaluation that we have all of our older players fill out. And, you know, it's, you, they grade each other on commitment. They grade each other on work ethic. They grade each other on what kind of teammates they are. Uh, you know, and nobody puts their name on it, but everybody's being graded. Everybody gets a grade. And at the bottom of the evaluation, you know, I think the grades are one through five. But at the bottom of the evaluation for your team, you say, who do you want in your foxhole? And at the end of the day, you know, a team of 10 is going to have generally one or two players who get most of those votes. And, uh, you know, we share this with all of our players uh, on each team so they know uh, if they're looked at in that manner by their, by their teammates, if they're looked at as, as leaders, if they're looked at as people that are, have great trust. And also they're known if they're not looked at that way. And sometimes it's, it's rewarding for some players and sometimes it's heartbreaking for others because people who think they're pretty good at things sometimes aren't. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of is, you know, Kids on teams who might be great friends, you see them hanging out together all the time. They're always riding to practice. They're always doing things socially. But when it comes down to being evaluated, you know, as a foxhole partner or, or a great teammate, you know, a lot of them just, you know, they won't grade. They won't grade their best friends high at all because it's one of the things where, you know, I love hanging out with you. I like socializing with you. 
But if I'm going to you know, go into battle or if I'm going to do hard things, I'm going to be asked to do hard things, you know, I'm not going to put my trust in you. And so I think one of the things that I want to explore in this session is how do we become one of those people? How do we become one of those people that, that everybody can trust, who everybody can say, you're going to work, you're going to have my back, I'm going to do everything necessary. And I guess on a greater sense, I want to explore how do we teach and train our athletes to be the absolute best people possible? And are the norms today uh, in the best interest of all the things that we're trying to accomplish? Or are there things you know, from old school or past years that maybe you know, are not looked upon now as being positive? Are those things that maybe we can use in some capacity as well? And so I want to go over that. And uh, one of the things that a lot of buzzwords from the past were courage, toughness, commitment. Uh, you hear those words associated with old school terminology. And, you know, we've, we've, you know, I'm old enough that, you know, old school coaches were guys like Vince Lombardi and Bob Knight. And, you know, there were a lot of coaches who they were pretty tough coaches, but they were also very, very successful. And so one of the things that I always like to look at is what makes people successful and why were they successful? If, if the things that they did then could not be done now, and we hear that a lot, we hear that a lot as coaches. Well, that's the old days. You know, that doesn't work anymore. But why did it work then? And do the things now, would those things work then? Are they better now autom automatically? Are they better because they're newer? Or should we maybe examine? I think one of the things that you always do is you always question to learn. If you can't question to learn, then you can't learn. And if we're not always going to ask questions about the best way to do things, then, you know, we're going to stop growing and developing. And, you know, so courage, toughness, commitment, you know, those are words that, you know, we're around a long time. Um, but a lot of the things we hear today are we hear about boosting self-esteem. We hear about positive mental attitude. We hear a lot about building people up. And, you know, the human, pe the human condition is, is, you know, people are the same, have been the same for a long time. I mean, and, but we've evolved to look at how everybody's going to be treated now. And uh, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but I want to examine, I want to examine, uh, are there things to be learned from the past? And then how do we take what now is present and, and use that to the best of our ability? And um, I think that's really important. And another thing is, what about the actual physical suffering and struggling? I mean, when you're an athlete, if you're trying to or coach, if you're trying to play at the highest level, there's a lot of very hard work. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that's really key. And I, I want to I delve in a little bit to, to the, the physical side of it, the struggle and the suffering, versus the words and the deeds that maybe are told to us that make us feel good, um, you know, but do they have value? I mean, do, do things being told to us or do things being said to us continually to try to build us up, do those really make us better? Do they make us feel better or do they make us better? And I'm not going to come down on either side of that, but I'm going to ask some hard questions, and I think we have to, to kind of look at that. And one of the things in, in the first podcast I did, I talked to, we talked about culture, and I used the, the Navy SEALs, for example. And you know, one of the analogies I always look at, which is, it's, it's, it's very inspiring to me because the Navy SEALs uh, go through these, this rigorous, and I think, I'm sure all the special forces do, and, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of areas that are elite, elite, tip of the spear type organizations where you go through just brutal training. And, you know, you're, you're, you go through stuff that would be considered extremely negative, extremely humiliating, just, you know, it's, it's basically put in place to make you quit. 
And with the Navy SEALs, you can see why. If they can't drive you, if they can't make you quit, then the chance of you being successful in battle or in the missions that you have to take on uh, are obviously greater because you've been through such rigorous training. But if you take that and you back up to it and you look at what happens what happens to these guys when, they, when they're done? What happens to these guys later in life? I mean, they've become so good and so proficient at what they do, and they came out of such a negative, uh, degrading background. And it's one of the things today that we don't always put two and two together, that the suffering and the struggling and you know being told no and getting knocked down and falling down a lot and developing that toughness, there's a lot of value to that. And I think one of the things that we, we have become as a society is we want instant gratification. We can get instant gratification almost anywhere. We can get somebody to tell us, you know, how pretty we are or how smart we are. And, you know, you, now, especially with social media, I mean, how many likes can you get on the different social media um, uh, platforms that you have? And we're always looking for, we're always looking for uh, reward. We're always looking for somebody to tell us how good or how great. And I think that's just an accepted part of society right now. I think there's a lot of fuel there that helps people move forward. But also, is, are there downsides? And uh, I want to I explore this as well. But one of the things that we would look at is the, the landscape of today's sports and the overall landscape in general. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about old school versus new school. And, you know, we, we talk all about it here all the time. And, you know, if you talk about old school coaches, you talk about guys like Lombardi and Bob Knight and those guys who, uh, you know, who have a lot of players who played for them and, you know, hated them and have a lot of players who played for them and thought they were the greatest guys in the world. So I'm not going to get into the personalities of it, but I want to explore the ways to optimize how our athletes can grow and develop. And it, it, it always it always comes down. It's, it's a little bit like a lot of the topics we're going to explore later. Blocked versus random training. Well, there's going to be a middle ground always. And there's not going to be one that's going to be superior to the other because anybody who tells you that is lying to you. So, But one of the things that we want to look at is what are we doing with our athletes? Are we preparing our athletes to fail along the way? Because if we want to be encouraged to chase perfection, which I think that's one of the things that great coaches do, and if you look at the greatest of coaches who got the most out of their players, I mean, really, along the way, they were asking players to be perfect. I mean, if you, you go back and watch the movie 10 about Herb Brooks with the 1980 uh, hockey team that upset the, the Soviets, you know, he was always, it was always one more, let's do one more, let's do one more. And uh, the great coaches across the board, they've always been, they've always had very, very high standards. And a lot of times people come off as, well, that's a negative way to coach because you're asking for more than people are capable of giving. But this concept of chasing perfection, I guess the question is, is it a noble pursuit? Even though it's unattainable, is it something that we should be looking at as coaches and players to make us always try to be better? No matter how good we are, no matter how much we succeed, no matter how high we climb, should we always try or attempt to climb higher, be better, go farther. I think it's one of the things that within society and within the human condition, it's one of the things that makes us progress forward, uh, to never, ever allow to have limitations put on ourselves. And I'm, I'm a little concerned that, in general, our society is moving in that direction. And uh, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to pass a lot of judgment on it, but I'm going to ask, is it, is it clearly the right thing to do? And so that's one of the things that, that I want to I explore is how do we as coaches, 
How do we, as coaches, chase perfection while realizing that it's unattainable? And I think another thing that, that we look at is the, the area of positive versus negative. And, you know, we hear a lot about positive mental attitude. We hear a lot about being positive. You know, we, you know, we, as coaches, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I, I can tell you there's, 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 co- there's kids who, if, if, if you say anything to them whatsoever that doesn't appear to be positive, uh, you know, sometimes they just, they just lock up. They're, they're not able to handle, and sometimes it's not criticism. Sometimes it's just feedback. And others are like, look at you, shake their head and go back to work. And so, Again, I think it's it's looking at the situation and saying, how do we manage and how do we best prepare everybody to be their best, their best every day? And you kind of see this positive negative in everything in our society. You see it in politics. You see it in sports. You see it in basically almost every aspect of our lives. I mean, But right now, I want to talk about coaching. I want to talk about the development of athletes. And um, you know, we're constantly bombarded as coaches about how important being a positive mental attitude is and how we need to stay positive as possible. And that is the best way to maximize the development of our athletes. But I want to question that mindset a little bit. I want to explore negative over positive. And I want to talk about what would people consider negative. And I think one of the things that, you know, I, I say this all the time to our players. If you want to talk positive or negative, I'm always going to be called a negative coach. And I'm not a yeller or a screamer, and I'm not, you know, I'm not screaming all the time. But one of the things that I do when I coach is I want the players to have the shortest and straightest line to success. And the most important thing that you can do as a coach is give the players the tools to make themselves as good as possible. And I think one of the things that we spend a lot of time on now is how do we keep people comfortable when we're trying them when we're trying to make them go through things that ultimately create them or cause them to be uncomfortable. And by that I mean you've got to you've got to drill down deep if you're going to get better on a regular basis. We know that chasing high goals and wanting to do great things comes with a tremendous amount of failure. We know that. And which means that you just get knocked down a lot. You get knocked down a lot. And then how do we get back up? And one of the things that I I mentioned earlier was the straight line towards success. And, you know, the, the idea that every time a player does something that they can be better at and you recognize that as a coach, the faster you can get them headed in that direction with the least amount of talk, the least amount of feedback, the least amount of manipulation so you don't hurt their feelings. That means they're on the road sooner to become a better player. And so I think one of the things that we have to realize is that if we, if we as coaches, if our players are of the mindset that they're there to be the best player possible, they're not going to worry about you continually giving them feedback. In fact, they want you to continually give them feedback. But the one thing that you have to decide as a coach is how are you going to give that feedback? Are you going to tell them things that they already know? That was a great swing. Uh, that ball went down. Great serve. There's a lot of things that have no instruction in it. And I heard, uh, I heard one time that somebody had followed John Wooden. He was a great basketball coach at UCLA. I think he won 10 national championships over a 12-year period. And they followed John Wooden around, and they said, is he a positive coach? Is he a negative coach? And basically, you know, almost every coaching instruction he gave was instruction. I mean, about 10% would be considered probably negative, and about 10% would be considered probably positive. The rest was instruction. 
And you know, I feel, I feel the same way about coaching, that the most important thing you can do is get people to believe in what you're trying to do and then get those players on the path to be successful. And this is team, this is individual, this is no matter what you're talking about, is how do you get players to become the best players possible? And, you know, I'm a big believer that if I see a player who's doing something wrong, I can make that correction right now. They give me eye contact, shake their head, and go back to work. And we've had a 15-second conversation. Then I haven't wasted one or two or three or five minutes of their time trying to manipulate them into thinking that I'm not trying to hurt their feelings when I'm criticizing them. And so for me, the negative concept isn't that I'm yelling or screaming or telling a player how bad they are is that I'm going to almost exclusively address the things that players need to do to become better. I'm going to spend very little time on the things that players need to do uh, that, they're, that they're already good at. I'm just not going to spend time on that. First of all, generally, you know when you're good at something as an athlete. You know when you're having success. And we also know as coaches that our teams or our players individually, your top and your bottom, as close, as close together as possible, gives you the best player. No weaknesses, all strengths. Uh, or even if you're just good in everything, but you're not bad at anything, you're going to be a lot better than uh, an athlete or a player who's great at one thing and horrible at two or three other things. So for me, it, the negative concept that I'm talking about means that I'm going to always tell you how you can get better. I'm going to always evaluate and reevaluate the things you need to do to continue to improve. If you continue to do those things and you're, you're willing to take the feedback that I'm going to give you, which is negative feedback in general, I'm telling you what you're doing wrong. I'm telling you what you have to do to fix it. I'm going to let you go to work on that. If you're willing to do that, my feeling is that you have the best chance to be successful. Also, you understand that I'm trying to help you. You understand that I want you to be the best player possible. You're not listening to how I say something because, again, I don't do a lot of screaming and yelling, but I do give a lot of feedback when people need to change and, make, and get better at things. And some people find that uh, hard to handle because they're being told that they're not good at something because along the way, somewhere along the way, they've been told that everything is okay, everything is okay, you're good, you're good. And I guess my question also is when players are always told that they're good but they're not really good, do they down deep really know that? And this idea that we can give self-esteem, that it can be given versus earned, uh, that we can that a positive mental attitude means that I believe I'm really good, even if I'm not really good, is that is that beneficial? Does that allow us to become the best people possible? And you know, does that lead to being a great foxhole partner? I think that's one of the things that we look at. And I think that's the thing that for me that when we talk about negative versus positive. That's where negative becomes so valuable. And again, take it to the extremes with the Navy SEALs. You know, they, they're just browbeat and they're told every day. I mean, they're encouraged to quit. But and anybody who's gone through BUDS training or, or when you read, I've read a lot of the books about the SEAL training. And it's not, the, it's not the high school jock who was the great athlete. You know, it's not that guy. It's not the weightlifter, the bodybuilder. It's the guys who are the strongest mentally. They're, they're the greatest warriors. And they're the strongest people because they just don't quit. They're stronger mentally. And I think one of the things that comes out of that is the ability to be successful at the very highest levels. And I think one of the things we as coaches have to think about is how do we build that total player? And so when I say negative over positive, 
to me, negative is the fastest way, if it's done the right way, and I'm not talking about demeaning or screaming and yelling, I'm just talking about being blunt and direct about how fast we can make improvements. Because ultimately, the sooner a player can, can break a habit or improve and progress towards being better at what they do, you, what you're doing with an athlete is you're creating self-esteem. You're creating a positive mental attitude. But the athlete is doing that because the athlete knows that he or she, I've earned that positive mental attitude. I've earned that self-esteem because I got knocked down and I picked myself back up. I got knocked down again. I picked myself back up. And that's, that's the greatest gift we can give to anybody is to be independent. And it's the greatest gift you can give your kids. It's the greatest thing a coach can give their players. Think for yourself, get knocked down, get back on your feet and go. And one of the things that, you know, to go back to the Navy SEALs, they knock you down on purpose because they know if you go in to fight a war, you, you're, you got somebody trying to kill you. And so they're going to try to simulate the most difficult situations or maybe even over-simulate those situations so it's difficult. And it's one of the things that I think old school coaches, and, and I'm, I'm talking about coaches from the past years, you know, there was a lot of physical activity. I mean, you know, we used to run, you know, I, play, I played football. I've told you on these podcasts before I played college football, but in basketball and in football, every sport, we used to run all the time. We would run laps when we got in trouble. We would have to run sprints. You know, I remember one night in high school, you know, we, we didn't have lights in our football field. So the coaches brought the cars down and turned the lights on because we were running sprints after dark. And we were just running. We were running. We were running. And, you know, I don't know even why we were running. But one of the things that always, always in the past was if we make you struggle and we make you suffer, and again, it was never personal. I loved my coaches. You know, I didn't love them that day. I was running, but I loved them all. I, I loved all of them afterwards. And I, I think I always knew down deep that they wanted me to be better. And I never tried to judge them on the moment of the time because I, I, it made my choice. I could quit football. I could quit basketball. I could not have to do those things. Or I could do those things. So one of the things that, that I looked at was I felt like I, I was a lot tougher when I came out the other side. And I think that's one of the things that we want to think about as coaches in, in the right manner, how do our kids achieve maximum toughness? How do, they, how do they struggle the most and get back up each time? How do we make them supermen or superwomen? How do we do that? How do we do that without putting them in really, really difficult situations? Is it possible? And again, like I said, I think I said when I started, there's going to be more questions than answers. But how do we do that? And I think one of the things that we have to do as coaches is we have to look and say, maybe some negative, and again, from negative for me is, how fast can I get you to understand what you need to fix and go forward as if, if you're one of my players? How fast can that happen? And I think that's one of the key things that we have to look at. And, and I think another, another podcast might be later on is our boys, do boys and girls need to be coached differently? And that's, you know, we'll save that for, for another day. And my answer is I don't think so at all. Uh, maybe in general sometimes, but I, my, my short answer is I don't think so. I mean, I, some of the, the toughest players I've ever known, and I've known a lot of tough people, is that, you know, have been girls. And so I don't think there's any difference there. But I think one of the things that we have to do as coaches is how do we maximize toughness? How do we maximize the struggle and the journey along the way? At the end of the day, I think one of the questions that we ask ourselves is what is the strength of that person who was continually told that they can be better, that they can give better effort? They were given direct feedback. They went back to work. What, what's the strength of that person? I mean, is there value in looking at the things that we've discussed here today? 
Did we make stronger players, more independent players, players who can go through difficult situations and, and keep a steady head? I mean, I think that's one of the things that is, it's always worth exploring. You know, and, and I guess basically the basic question is, who do you want in your foxhole? What kind of player, what kind of person do you want in your foxhole? Do you want the person who's you know, been through all these different dynamics and all these different situations, positive and negative, and you know they're not going to break. You know they're not going to crack. You know they're going to survive and get back up and move forward. So I want to wish everybody a happy holidays, and we'll talk to you again after the first of the year. Thank you.